here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.2 FM in East London. Thank you so much for staying with us. Yes, you are on SAFM and this is Life Happens. My name is Pimelo Modine. We're discussing now um, COVID-19 itself. You know, the ripple effects, you you just hear it. You hear it everywhere you go. It's It's been quite something. And... Um, I just wanted us to commit ourselves every single week to get more facts about the science, the actual disease itself, the actual pandemic that we're dealing with. You know, what happens in the beginning of something like this is that we all rush into talking about it and we report on it. And after a while, there's what we call media fatigue. So many cases come through that we stop reporting on the numbers, that we stop reporting on the actual issue, and then we just kind of carry on. And it's more similar to what we do with HIV and AIDS, diabetes, and so on. After a while, TB, after a while, they be they stop being fashionable. I'm using that word very carefully not to trivialize it. But they stop being fashionable, and we kind of get on and carry on, right? But the issue still remains. And if we don't keep our eye on the prize... And talk about it and help us help us uh, our people and ourselves with more information we're just not going to get beyond it right so I committed that every single week we're going to get a professional to help us navigate understanding this pandemic because every single day something new comes up there is a new piece of information that pieces it all together for scientists hopefully leading us to something that looks like a vaccine or whatever it is but that's why I'm doing this so I've invited this week Professor Beatrum C. Fielding who's a director of research development at the University of the Western Cape and virologist specializing in coronavirus thank you so much Professor Fielding for making the time to talk to us Good afternoon Palela and thank you for having me on the show So can we just ask some of these questions, Prof, just, you know, it's okay. They are very pedestrian. <laughs> I uh, Please be forgive us for that because I think sometimes we, we try and make sense of things and then and then we, we flip back and we think, no, man, that's not quite clear in my mind. Can I ask you a really pedestrian question? Um, we have now got a plan in place or what seems like a plan to get children back in school, okay? And our plan as a country is to take in grade 7s and grade 12s. And um, our understanding of what we call children, because we've been using the term children when we talk about school, and it suddenly hit me that matriculants are not quite children. And so their immune system, do we still refer to 17, 18-year-olds' immune system like a child's immune system? Um, It's actually not a very pedestrian question. It's a very good question. And and purely for the fact, if you look at the the numbers we're currently seeing globally, mm-hmm. the um, under-18s, under-19s are all behaving very similarly. So the all of them can be infected with a SARS coronavirus 2, which would result in COVID, but very, very few of them are actually developing severe COVID-19 um, and dying. So they're behaving very similar. Um, in South Africa, what we've seen globally is that those at risk are still the over-60s, 65s with the comorbidities, so those who have other diseases. So kids under under 18, under 19, they would still um, immunologically behave very similar to the to the younger kids. Yes. So interesting. So in okay, then let's talk about the elephant in the room. 
why is it that nobody wants to really talk to us about the effects on children? And I and I ask this really um, with with all good intentions, and I say everybody because I'm looking at what we're hearing, let's say, from other countries, and what they are. Um, talking about in terms of what they're seeing, symptoms, how, how COVID-19 presents itself in children. And yes. then some people talk about how we we may have missed some cases because we didn't know that these were symptoms of COVID-19. Yes. What exactly do we know about children and COVID-19? So the answer that I don't want to hear is we know that it, it, it affects them less. That's not what I want to hear. I want to yes. know, <laughs> know what, what actually it means to have COVID-19 as a child. So, you know, um, I've been seeing this as well. So I've been submitting manuscripts, um, research manuscripts, and even the journals. When it comes to um, data reporting on kids, even the journals are extremely cautious in in accepting those. Mm. And I think it's because um, our kids, um, you know, they're very precious, almost I would like to say commodity to us. So for researchers to be wrong, I think um, that creates a fear in researchers to really go out on a limb and, and say, you know, this is what we're seeing, so this is what we're predicting. So it, it's a very, it's a very um, scary thing to go and, and to do. But if we do look at the data, yes, it is mild in kids. So in the majority of kids, in the vast majority of kids, the symptoms, they could either be asymptomatic, which means they do not have any symptoms, or they could have very, very mild um, cold flu-like symptoms. So, you know, you would not even really bother to take them um, to the hospital or to the GP to be tested because it seems like a very mild cold. Um, internationally, there has been some weird um, diseases that has been associated with COVID, um, like the inflammation, something that's very similar to Kawasaki's disease. Mm. So it's inflammation in the in the blood system, in the veins and arteries, mm. uh, but that's been reported in a very small percentage of, of children. So for some reason, we and we still do not understand as coronavirologists, we still do not understand what in the child's immune system is really protecting the child from developing severe um, COVID-19. Interestingly, um, um, when I was on your show before, I mentioned that for humans, we know of seven coronaviruses that infect humans. Yeah. Four of those circulate throughout the human population on an annual basis. Interestingly, kids are very susceptible to those, but the symptoms are also extremely mild. Mm -hmm. And you only see severe cases of disease in comorbidities as well and in the immunocompromised in those four other coronaviruses. For some reason, SARS, MERS, and SARS-2, the one for COVID-19, this is behaving differently in kids, and we do not know why. So very, very seldomly do we see the severe um, COVID-19 in these kids, anybody under 18. All right. There has been concerns, and this has been coming through. So what we do, sometimes we collect a couple of these questions over the week, and then we, sure. we bank them. There's been... I don't know what it is. Is it is it because people is it because we don't understand it or what is going on? Because there are concerns around testing and people's trust in the testing abilities and yeah. detection and in in and being able to diagnose the actual thing. So when you say yes, sure, children get infected and but there are the cases are few and far between. Um, you hear a lot of people very skeptical saying, "Well, you guys don't know because you don't even know how to get the testing right." Mm. So I'm, I'm not saying that, that infections are happening fine in between. 
Mm. Kids can be infected as yes, well. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it's the severity of the disease that's far in between. I understand what you mean. And, and I have a huge problem with the with the numbers globally as well. Okay. Because um, countries are not reporting um, the COVID cases, in my opinion, mm-hmm. based on scientific fact. Okay. So somebody should only be reported as positive yes. if they've been confirmed by a lab who has tested for the presence of the genetic material in the person. Okay. Just screening the person for symptoms or even just using one of these rapid kits. You know, the kits. You know those 15-minute kits um, that is now all the buzz? Um, so you take a blood or a sputum sample and within 15, 15 minutes you get, a, you get a result, positive or negative. Even those, those are presumptive tests. So you can only be reported as positive if you've been confirmed in an accredited laboratory who has gone out, taken your sample, and tested it for the genetic material of the virus. If I look at the, the stats and the data that I've been seeing, um, even in the scientific circles, that is not happening. At the moment, the peers as the screening is reported as positive as well. So if, if I look at the, 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 the four circulating coronaviruses and extrapolating, I think our numbers are much, much higher and what we are reporting, because we're obviously not testing um, as widely as we should in South Africa now, but um, the numbers that we are reporting of are, are those people who have become ill enough to go to a GP hospital to be tested. The vast majority, I looked, last time I saw it was more than 90% of people who are tested are either very mild or they probably never show symptoms, so they will probably not be tested. So the numbers, um, yeah. I don't have total confidence yeah. in, the, in the numbers globally. That's that's quite something. Uh, Doc, if you don't mind, Professor, would you please just uh, take some questions? Because uh, as I of said, course. you know, people are willing to ask questions. 891 Jimmy, thank you so much for your questions. You've got a question around masks, Jimmy. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, I've got two questions, actually. The one is on the issue of mask yes. and the one is on the issue of autopsy. Okay. I want to ch- I want to check if ever is it medically correct for a person to put to cover their mouth and nose at the same time because my understanding is that you cannot inhale what you have already exhaled it's going to damage your lungs that's number one and then cause the problem with regard to oxygen on your blood number two it's on the issue of autopsy for the people who died of coronavirus. I'm not sure why the World Health Organization doesn't allow countries to do that because that was going to give people an idea in, 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 in terms of developing a, a vaccine just to can ascertain what really uh, was the, the cause of the death to this particular person. Thank you so much. So, Jimmy, before you go, Jimmy, so when... when don't go, because I think it's a far more complex uh, answer than that, especially with the autopsy. Prof, do you want to go ahead? So the autopsy one, um, uh, Jimmy, thanks for the questions. So we do not need to do an autopsy to determine um, what type of vaccine would be more effective. The autopsy would tell us what type of damage you have in the system and in which organs you would have the damage. So that is very important. But for the vaccine, vaccines typically either target the virus replicating itself in the person, or it prevents the virus from getting into the person's cell. So there are some very good vaccines that are being tested in in clinical trials at the moment. Um, 
I do not think um, all of them will be successful, but I am hopeful. So autopsies, yes, very important for researchers to understand what in the end caused the person to die because severe COVID causes severe inflammation. And then you can have sepsis, which means blood poisoning, and then multi-organ failure. Yeah. So uh, autopsy could um, show us what type of interventions <laughs> medically we could have to support the person and keep them alive. That's, That's interesting. important. Yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a follow-up question, but uh, Doc, before Jimmy goes, do you want to re- address yeah. the masks? The mask one is, is very important. So remember, these masks do not exclude movement of air um, through the mask back to the person. So there's really no circulation of your own air out of your mouth back into your nose. There's some very interesting studies that show at the moment that if, if you infect and I wear a mask, it is not as, infect- it's not as effective. If you ill and you wear a mask, I'm somewhat protected as the healthy person, but the best is for both of those, the mm-hmm. infected and the healthy person, to wear a mask, both of them, and then have the 1.8 meters between them. That is the most effective. Um, wash your mask as frequently as possible. Do not touch your mask and do not touch your face. Because a wet mask, when we breathe, the mask can become wet. That can be a trap to viral particles. So both healthy and non-healthy people, with a distance, that's the most effective um, wearing of a mask. All right. Thanks, Jimmy. I hope that answers your question. Prof, let's come back to the autopsy thing. Is it, are we, are we, and he's not the first one, by the way, lots of people have asked this question. Is our issue a stigma issue? Because is it similar to, for instance, the HIV and AIDS issue where, for instance, the symptoms are something else? Do you know, you know what I mean? You've been yeah, living yeah, yeah. Uh, with HIV and AIDS, but what eventually takes your life are other things, complications related to that. And that's, and that's why if you look at the, the new reported figures, no longer the reported figures are COVID deaths. It's COVID-related death. Yes. And that is part of the problem. If you look at the, the, the outbreak between Italy and Spain, very similar um, countries, very similar population, and even Germany. But if you look at, the, look at the deaths between those three countries, there were vast differences in the number of deaths. And the demographics of the population was very similar. In the end, it turned out that the reporting was done differently. So one country would report that somebody died of heart disease, but they, they test positive or they had symptoms for COVID, it would be put down as COVID. Another country with the lower numbers would say, no, 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 somebody needs to be confirmed COVID, and you would either die from lung failure or you would, so it had to be, uh, it had to be linked very clearly. So, so we must be very careful when we look at these numbers, how we interpret these numbers. Mm. Even with the South African numbers, um, I did an interview last week, and, and, and the interviewer asked me, and I said, be very careful. Mm. Do not look at the number of people who tested positive. Mm-hmm. That tells us nothing. Look at the number of people who are critical. Mm-hmm. Those are the people who we had lockdown for so that we could pre- prepare our medical services. And that's extremely important, I think. Because for all I know, I'm carrying the virus. Exactly. Um, I went to, and, and just to show you, there should be no stigma attached to this. To hear my voice is still hoarse. Yes. I went last week and I had flu-like symptoms, and I was tested, and I tested um, negative. Mm. So I probably have influenza. Mm. Symptoms are very similar. Mm. 
So if if I was if I if I died of something else, would it what did what would have been yeah. recorded as yeah. COVID related? Yeah. Would I have been tested? Those are the type of questions we need to ask globally. How are these things reported? Lindy, you're calling from Durban. Good afternoon. Thanks for your patience. Good afternoon, Pamela. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for calling. Okay, I just want to find out about about the cure rate, you know, the statistics Mm. that we get because patients do get admitted initially, those Mm. ones we have symptoms, especially here in KZN. But then when on discharge, after 14 days, they just go home without a test to say that they've been cured. So how how true is the statistics? Hold on. You're saying this is happening. Are are you in a hospital? Yes, I work in a hospital. Yes, but but I'm I'm not in that hospital because I'm yes, sixty. Yes. I'm I'm above sixty now, so I'm in another hospital where they do you, you know. But I'm no more in the COVID, uh, you, you know, assigned. Uh, interesting hospital. question. I thought it was scaring initially, but it's actually interesting, Prof. Thank you very much, Lindy. Thank and you, Pamela. It's interesting because are we mm. back to that thing about how severe the person is? Is that is no. that is that the issue? No, but even remember, even somebody who's asymptomatic, yeah, somebody who is infected, yes, showing no symptoms can be infective, yes. So they can infect others, yes. And and, and we'll get back to the kids, um, kids question, I'm sure, because that's part of the issue with the kids. Um, I cannot speak obviously about yes, yeah. specific practices at hospitals, yeah. but this virus can the symptoms can last between about seven, fourteen days, slightly longer, and you need to be tested before being sent home. If you if you are not tested, then you would be advised to isolate for for fourteen days, probably again, and that would be good practice. Prof, can so I you, ask you? You need if to we... be you need to be confirmed negative. Okay, that's what I want to ask you. Can I ask you if we are using the right terminology? So you use the term cured. Yeah. What is the term? <laughs> do you get cure? Do you get cured from the disease? So the, the disease will be cleared from the body. So the virus will be cleared. Yes. So your body fights uh, because there is no cure. But so that's the it. Bo- <laughs> the, body, the body's own immune system yes. will remove the virus from the body. Yes. You would still have antibodies in your body. That's it. So in theory, if you're exposed to the virus again, yes. you will not become infected. At all. Or- At all. However... There are studies now coming through and studies for the previous coronaviruses yes. that show that these antibodies, so it means that you are seroconverted, okay. your body made antibodies to this virus. Okay. There are now studies coming through to say for the other coronaviruses, the seroconversion disappears, so the antibodies disappear from your body, so you can be reinfected. This is obviously only six months into this pandemic, so we are not sure yet whether this will be lifelong immunity or will it be immunity for a shorter time? How do we, we simply do not know. Do we know that the virus doesn't mutate differently? In other words, that it takes a different shape because what we are now hearing is that the makeup of the virus, and obviously now I mean, I'm yeah. a lay person, so you sure. excuse my language, the makeup of the virus is not identical, for instance, what what you know, if you live in Asia to as opposed yeah. to if you live in Africa. So the actual components of the virus may differ slightly. So mutation of that virus, this is back to the cure question. How do we know if it's not changing? In other words, when it comes back, it will be different, meaning you will be reinfected. So the, the, the bad thing is that it is changing all the time. Okay. Um, these type of viruses are called RNA viruses. Yes. So the genetic material is different from the type of genetic material that humans and animals and plants would have. Yeah. 
So we have DNA, yes. they have RNA. Okay. RNA, the mutation rates are very high. Okay. So they will change. Okay. Interestingly, over the six months, even though the mutations have been seen, mm-hmm. the mutations are very small. So mm-hmm. there were studies who have, who have reported that this virus has become more infective. Mm-hmm. So it can infect somebody easier, but not deadlier. Ah. So, so we see that. The, if, if the four coronaviruses that I mentioned earlier, the ones that have been around since the 1960s, yes. Yes. those have mutated as well. But over the past 60 years or so, mm-hmm. they've mutated, but they're still only causing a mouth cold-like symptoms. Mm. So they can mutate, but mutation could, could either be really bad mutations or it could be mutations that brings about certain changes, but it doesn't change the virus that drastically. Got you. So, it's something different. That changes every year because mutations happens totally differently. Oh, is it? So, yes. so it behaves differently to influenza? Yes, it does. So, so it looks different. The virus itself is different. Yes. But the symptoms are very similar. Yeah. Ah, okay. Because I was going to ask you that very question that if, for instance, we have the issue with the influenza in the sense that one can expect to get influenza maybe once a year, every single time, mm-hmm. why is it that we're not going to expect that one is going to be infected with this virus every single year? And that's exactly the, the, the question. Yes, yes. The question that I've been asking yes. as well. At the, at the start of this in January, I said two things could happen. You could either have, similar to SARS in 2003, this virus disappearing totally from the human population if it behaves similarly. This virus, unfortunately, did not behave similarly. And the big difference was that this virus was infective. You could infect others two days before you have symptoms and two days after. Uh-huh. So people were walking around infecting yes. others. Yes. So it, it, it will obviously now not disappear from the human population, but it will probably circulate. And if we are resistant yes. to that virus, so we, our immune systems recognize us and can fight it again, mm. will it be lifelong or will it be two years, one year? We do not know. Based on the other coronaviruses, I speculate that it will probably be one to two years, maybe three so you could probably be infected every three years or so if it stays in the human population. Interesting. Interesting times, Prof. This is really... It is very I interesting mean, as a times. scientist, listen, I sound excited. Uh, I don't mean to be brash. I'm just saying yeah. it's interesting times. We're learning so much um, yes. about so many other things and all the things that you've just spoken about. And I want to forgive you, by the way, on behalf of your colleagues, because it's not you I'm referring to. I'm talking to the fraternity <laughs> for... For, for not being able to speak to us in the language that we understand because some of, some of us get very annoyed with you guys. And in fact, I've got an example <laughs> here and, and please forgive our listeners because, you know, we, we, we've mm. become very frustrated. Okay. So just take it with a pinch of salt and just let's help them understand better. It says, Jimmy's question on the mask was not answered. Doctors are saying wearing a mask is counterproductive because we are endangering ourselves with breathing in carbon dioxide. Thank you very much, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to say his name. Do you want to respond to that? My apologies for not answering the question. So remember that these masks, especially the the cloth masks, it does allow air through. That's why you can breathe in and out. Yeah, so the carbon dioxide moves in and out. And that's part of of the problem with masks. If one person wears a mask only, they can still become infected yes. because masks have pores, they have holes. Yes. And viruses are really tiny things, so they can move through those pores. Mm-hmm. So if viruses can move through those pores, 
then your carbon dioxide can move through those pores as well. Okay. So it is not a huge issue. If the listener um, can get access to an N95 mask, mm-hmm. so this is those really fancy, expensive mm-hmm. masks, mm-hmm. you wear one of those. Mm-hmm. To breathe through one of those is really difficult because it filters the majority of air that, that is breathed in and out. So that would be a diff- but the, the the issue with the face masks, the, the cloth masks, mm-hmm. is not the carbon monoxide really. Mm-hmm. It is uh, it, it really allows us into a full sense of security. So we still mm-hmm. touch our eyes when it becomes wet because of our own spit. It you know viruses can adhere to it from the outside. So it is really everybody wearing a mask and in social distancing. Mm-hmm. All right. But there is no concern about the circulation of carbon monoxide. I'm a, I'm a virologist, I'm not a medical doctor, mm-hmm. but I've looked at the, the, the issue of masks. Lots of studies coming forth on, on, on masks and wearing of masks during this time. Okay, let's take a quick voice note, Prof, before we let you go. Greetings, Sister Pimelo. This is Joshua. It's very, you know, when it comes to COVID, the testing that is true to your nose, it's very, very painful. When they put it that, that they stick it to your nose, it's very painful because it's open the wind to your nose and that true to your head. It's like your nose doesn't have anything inside. It's just when you go, the, the wind is coming through. I was helped by a cotton wool. I put the cotton wool in the nose that they put it that it stick. And at least it helped me when I did that. Uh, they have to look at the to, to, to this testing of uh, to this testing of uh, this stick. This stick is very painful. Thank you, Pai Joshua. Uh, good afternoon, Pamela. My name is Colleen. Pamela, I I totally uh, get confused with the doctors, honestly. For uh, recommending this issue of mask and knowing how the breathing and the lungs function, it becomes a total, you know, uh, 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 um, problem for me to accept what they are saying. Because you you exhale dirty air, you inhale it back into the lungs. That's not right. It cannot be right, honestly. Okay, so, Prof, um, yes. we need another show for the masks. It's, it seems <laughs> we do. we're we not do. going to do it all at once. But, you know, I have to laugh at Joshua, who, oh, poor Joshua, shame. You know, it's just too painful. Can we get a test that's less painful for the poor I, man? I, I, shame. I feel, Josh, I feel Joshua's pain. I had it done to me last week. Extremely uncomfortable. Remember that when these tests are done, and they are rapid tests, the, the ultimate aim of these tests is to look for either the virus portions, the pieces of the virus in the body, or to look for the genetic material of the virus in your body or the antibodies that your body has made to fight the virus. Those are the only things that we can look for. So it is either getting samples from the nasal passage, samples from the lungs, 
There are tests that can use sputum Pro- profilding? and blood. Let me tell you something. I promise you I wasn't asking you to deal with the pain issue. Try giving birth and we can have that conversation. I think you and yeah, Joshua you must, you must, must be okay. You must, you must I, understand. Yeah. We're we, we delicate creatures. No, please. So <laughs> I, I, I'm so sorry, Prof. With all the knowledge in the world, I don't feel sorry for you at all. You and Joshua, have yourself a fantastic afternoon. Thank, Thank you for you coming. Too. Thanks for Thank coming you. through. Joshua, try giving birth and you and I can have a conversation, my brother. It's two o'clock.